Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Grab your Bibles, James chapter 5, verse 16. I'm just glad that you are here. James 5 and 16 says, confess your faults one to another. <coughs> Pray one for another that ye may be healed. Anybody want to be healed? <laughs> That's a process. The Bible goes on to say a very familiar portion of Scripture that we quote quite often. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elias was a man subject to life's passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months and he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit brethren if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins Praise God. Praise God. I just want to preach to you a message that I've titled, Moving Past Mistakes. Moving Past Mistakes. You may be seated today. Mistakes. Everybody deals with them at some level or another. Sometimes you're dealing with your own mistakes. Sometimes you deal with the effects of somebody else's mistakes. It doesn't have to be your own mistake for it to create havoc for your life. It can be somebody else's mistake that breaks your heart. But at some point in life, maybe our very youngest amongst us is not subject to it, but if they continue to grow or they will one day be subject to mistakes. Why is it that some can recover and go on to lead normal lives while others seem to never be able to fully escape the grasp of their mistakes? It's a question that I've asked myself over and over again. I've seen different ones that seemingly can move past the problem, move past their failure, move past their mistakes that they've made while others struggle with the same things over and over and over again, seemingly piling up one mistake after the other until they are completely buried and immovable. I would go so far as to even say that people of faith make mistakes. You've made mistakes. Don't look at your spouse when, when, when you shake your head yes. You and I have all made mistakes. But we are in fairly good company because I don't know of a single human being besides Jesus Christ himself who ever was able to get through life without ever making a mistake or two. I want to take you to a few examples in the Word of God. Abraham being one of them, started a war that 
still exist to this day by jumping ahead of God and having a child with a handmaiden that that he should have never had a child with. But but he tried to take God's promise and turn it into his own way of fulfilling it, even with the permission of his wife. And we see down through the courses of the ages how that mistake has been devastating for so many. Jacob, who was later to be named Israel, which the nation of Israel would be named after, started off as a thieving, conniving cheat that would have the audacity to steal from his own brother, cheat his own brother. Mistakes. How about the great leader Moses? As he's being raised in the house of Pharaoh, he finds himself murdering an Egyptian taskmaster and on the run for his life. Mistakes are our most beloved king, David, who saw firsthand how one sin can lead very quickly to another and spiral out of control. How the unbridled lust of a man could cause that man to have an adulterous affair with a friend's wife, a loyal friend's wife, and it would lead and connive to a plan, uh, eventually cause him to connive a plan that ultimately ended with the murder of a man who was one of his mighty men of valor. Even Job, who was at his as the Bible says, a perfect and an upright man. God found no fault in this man. But we can read his story, and we can find that Job at his wit's end, wondering what he had done so wrong that he would suffer the way that he was suffering. He would lose his, his, his family. He would lose his, his wealth. Everything that he ever owned seemed to be gone, and his friends are now turning out to be his accusers, and his wife is looking at him and telling him, why don't you just curse God and die? We'd be better off if you did that. And according to Job chapter 3, verse 3, I've come to believe that the influencing voices in his life were beginning to take toll because you will find where Job, this man who once had great wealth and a great love for the Lord, you will find him saying, let the day perish wherein I was born. And the night in which it was said, there is a man child conceived. Now I'll put it in modern day English for us. He's looking at God and he says, why don't you just wipe out the day that I was ever born? It would be better off if, if that day were wiped from the very existence of the history books. Surely God, when I was born, you made a mistake by making me because it's very obvious to me that I have become a mistake. Anybody ever, ever felt your life was the sum total of your mistakes? Had the devil ever spoken into your ear at any time, point in your life, and tried to overwhelm you with everything that you have ever done wrong? Has he ever whispered into your ear and tried to create doubt inside of your mind that 
God's love and God's actions on the cross and God's sacrifice and the blood that was shed. Oh, it might be good for others, but it could never touch and reach down to where you found yourself in your life. Surely you've made too many mistakes. Surely your life is a mistake. Surely everything that's gone on in your life is a mistake. Has the devil ever tried to whisper in your ear and condemn you and make you think that God's love is not enough for you to be saved? I would have to say that most of us have probably heard him whisper that. I'm sure Job was sitting there thinking about the time when his life was worth something, about the time where he gained respect a time when he was somebody. His name meant something in the community. But where is it now? He sits there. His children gone. His herds are gone. His real estate is collapsed. And he's got a wife that's telling him he would be better off if he would just curse God and die. Now, we've been in an argument or two over the 37 years of marriage. Who hasn't? I've made some mistakes. I was wrong. Not when I married her. But I've had to apologize a few times. I've gone to a time or two and said I was an idiot. Now, my pride would try to keep me from, from saying that thing, but, but there comes a point in time where you've got to be honest with yourself and just mess up. Made a mistake. But even at some of our worst arguments, I have never heard her say, why don't you just curse God and die? <laughs> It'd be a little painful. be better off without you in my life. This, if I can paint this story for you today, is Job's plight. Surely, God, I'm a mistake that needs to be omitted from the history books. And if the story were to end there, the devil would have won the day because That's what this was really all about in the first place. There was a challenge that had been laid forth. He'd been walking to and fro. He'd seen how many lives that he had wrecked. He'd seen how many people that had succumbed to the lie that they were a mistake and that God couldn't help them. He'd seen how effective this was as a tool in his arsonry to come against people who were trying to live for God, but they'd made mistakes. God says, have you considered my servant Job? Well, now that you mention it, I can't say that I have. But I'll tell you one thing, God. You've got him protected. And you take that protection down We'll see how much he really loves you. You see, the story didn't end there. 
Job didn't succumb to the lure of everyone around him. When the devil thought that he would give up, when the devil thought that he would shut up, amen, God spoke and it changed everything. Now, you would maybe think that God would have, maybe would have filled Job in a little bit with a pep talk about how much that he trusted Job to, to do the right thing because God is sovereign and God had spoken to people before and God had spoken to Job. But, but you would think that maybe God would look down at Job and say, hey, listen, I've got this little competition going with Satan right now and, and, and I'm really proud of you and the way that you've, you've uh, conducted yourself and how much you love me. And so I've put you up against him and, and, and uh, I, I, I've told him that, that I don't believe that he can win you over. That might have encouraged Job. Well, I've got to stick in there, but God didn't do that. Job just had to wonder through his pain. Job just had to wonder through his loss. Job just had to wonder through his suffering. What are you doing, God? I don't understand you. I don't understand what's going on. And Job was living in a place uh, uh, where he didn't know what God was doing, but God had a plan for Job. You read the book. It's quite lengthy. There's about, I believe, if my memory serves me, 40, 41 chapters. And you'll see where everybody's talking. Job's talking. Job's complaining. Job's trying to understand. His friends show up, and you'll hear this, this conversation that takes place between his three friends. His wife steps in there every once in a while. Didn't really help matters too much. Didn't really... Help and you will read where where Job talks about uh, all of the different things, the problems that he's having. He's complaining and trying to understand what what's happening in his life. And and then finally, God speaks. God takes two chapters for Himself. He doesn't pat Job on the back. Choose on him. God starts off by saying, gird up your loins like a man. <laughs> my job's tough and my this is that and I, I lost that and I'm having trouble paying the bills. Have you, does it ever help? Do you ever uh, just not want to reach out and just somebody that says, hey, man up, man up. Quit your sniveling and quit your complaining and act like a man. Well, I'll start off right now by getting in a fist fight with you. How about that? God doesn't pat him on the back. God doesn't send him a bunch of encouraging words or try to fill him in on exactly what's going on there. No, God does not need to do that. But God just shoots him straight with two chapters. And he says, Job, it's time for you to quit complaining. It's time for you to act like a man. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Can you keep the sea in its borders, Job? Can you do that? I don't believe that you can. Can you make it rain? And there's this entire litany of questions, but no answers. Because the questions are not really meant to be questions. 
They're meant to be a statement to try to remind Job. Just who it is that he's serving. Tough talk. But it wasn't a pep talk that Job needed to hear in the first place. It was an understanding that God was in the driver's seat, this driver's seat, and Job just needed to decide if he was going to stay in the vehicle or not. Somebody once said, if God is your co-pilot, switch seats. Sometimes we put God next to us and we say, I got this. I can handle this. I know where we're going. If I need you to navigate, I'll ask you for a little help. But God does not need to be our co-pilot. God needs to be in the driver's seat of our life. He needs to be divining every decision that we make. And we need to go to him and say, can I help you? Because God knows best where he wants us to be. Where were you? There are times when I believe God will comfort us, but there are times when he just needs us to trust him and know that we are in his hand. And whether or not the mistake was ours or someone else's, that God has our back. And the circumstance that you find yourself in doesn't have to be your final chapter. Somebody needs to hear me today. The problem that you are in today is not the final solution. The problem that you're facing today is not here to kill you. The problem that you're facing today is not here to destroy you. This is not the end of your story. There's more to come. Just trust in the God that brought you there because the same God that brought you in it will bring you through it. If life wasn't over, his wealth, wealth wasn't gone forever. His best days weren't behind him. <laughs> Maybe you've been in a place where you said, I don't know how I'll recover from this. I made a mistake. I don't know how I'll recover. I don't know how God can take and turn my life around in a way where I can ever get back to where I once was. But God was getting ready to double up everything that Job had lost. But not before. Job passed the test whether or not he was faithful. God finally speaks. When he did, the first thing he asked is, who comes seeking my counsel with words without knowledge? Let that sink in for just a moment. And I think something we need to understand that, that I, I don't believe I ever understood until more recently was God wasn't just speaking to Job. The other men were still there. When God was, because you look at the end of it, God, he chastises the other three. He tells them, I want you to go do this, this. So they're hearing this conversation, if I'm correct. They're hearing this, and God finally speaks, and he speaks to these men that are there to console their friend, to try to advise their friend, and he just lets them know, who is it that comes seeking my counsel with words, but you don't know what you're talking about? 
You're saying things, but it's very obvious to me you don't have any knowledge of the thing that you're speaking about. These men are about to get a lesson on how little, if anything, that they know. So God begins to go into this couple chapters of questions. Not one single time do any of these, these men answer. Were you there when I hung the stars? Um, no, not me. I, I have to say no, so I, I think I'm just going to sit here and be quiet. I'm sit here and let God ask all these questions that remind me of how little I know about the big picture. So God puts Job in a position where he has to make a decision. Job, you've come to a place that I've allowed you to come to, and you can either choose to sit and wallow in self-pity. You can blame me. You can blame yourself. You can sit here until you die, or you can get up and get moving towards a better tomorrow. It's a question that I've had to come to terms with in my own life at certain points of life. Because there have been certain things that have come, certain valleys that I've gone through, mistakes that either I've made or others have made, and I've been affected by those mistakes where you have to sit and wonder, God, how are you going to get us through this one? How are we going to live life without that person? How are we going to live? How am I going to answer these people that, that have lost so much? How am I going to deal with this problem? How am I going to deal with this mistake? It's a place that Job found himself in. I can sit here and wallow in all of my problems until I die or I can get up and I can begin to move forward. I've said all that to say this today. You decide whether your mistakes define you or refine you. You decide. Your mistakes, your problems, your challenges, your shortcomings, you can embrace them all day long. You can excuse the fact that you can't change, that it was a family member's fault, that it was somebody else's fault. You may even take the blame yourself, take the full blame yourself, and you can sit there and embrace those things, and they will weigh you down and drag you down until they finally and eventually drown you, spiritually speaking, or you can set those weights aside. Amen. Just like the New Testament said, I, I'm putting those old things behind me, and I'm pressing toward the mark. Amen. There's something greater that God wants me to have. There's a better life that God promised me that I could have as a child of him. I'm not going to sit here in this mistake. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to move forward towards victory. I refuse to be defined by past mistakes. I allow God to refine me through those trials. So you may have made some mistakes, but you are not a mistake. Because there's a plan, there's a higher authority at work. 
just because God is quiet doesn't mean that God is gone. My wife went through a time in her life, this is years and years ago. My wife, she's a spiritual woman. She's a praying woman. I trust, I trust when she speaks, I'll I'll listen. Unless there's something that I I feel, I'll listen to, I value her, her opinion on spiritual things. But there was a time in her life where she went, was it a year and a half? You didn't feel the Lord about a year? That's a long time. That's a long time to go without feeling like you can hear from the Lord. I mean, just just think about. It. I mean, I love her more than any other human being on the on the planet, and I can't imagine not being able to see her for a year. Put that into perspective a little bit for you. Some are like, man, that'd be the greatest year of my life. Not for me. I get lonely. I kind of like having her around. Can you imagine not being able to feel the Lord for an entire year? But God wasn't gone. Sometimes God goes quiet. He allows us to go through some things to appreciate our relationship with him. Paul made it plain to the Romans in 8.13, for if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. You want to quit? You want to give up Job? You want to call it a day? You want to let the flesh lead the way? You want to live where your mistakes hold you hostage? Then you will die. But just so you know, amen, there is another way. There was a place called Calvary where Jesus went, and he bled, suffered, and died so that you and I could have an overcoming life. We did not have to live in the bondages of sin, but we could stand up, and we could step forward, and we could throw our hands in the air and get a little little taste of what victory feels like in the name of Jesus and through the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you today, the kingdom of God, amen, is for those that are willing to get up and move forward and not be defined by your past mistakes. The music come today. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the what? the sons of God. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. God doesn't look at your mistakes and say you have no potential. God doesn't look at your past and say, I can't use you. God doesn't look at your present and say, I can't use you. No. He says, I can fix your mistakes. 
you can move past your problems. Maybe everybody else in your life, would you stand with me today? Maybe everybody else that you're talking, maybe the people on your job, maybe they're telling you, why don't you just give up? God's trying to reach somebody to say, say, don't you give up. Don't let your past dictate your future in him. There's a story I want to finish with. So typical of humanity, but not God. Story about Einstein teaching a a class, very simple elementary things. He writes on the board, nine times one equals nine. Nine times two equals 18. Nine times three, 27. The class is watching him write everything down on the board. He just continues nine times four all the way up. He gets to nine times 10 equals 99. Starts right again. He hears the class snickering. He stops. He turns around. Of course, he's a brilliant man. But did you see what he did? People sitting in the class are trying to hold back their laugh, but they can't help themselves. He finally says, what's going on? Am I missing something? They say, you don't sit, you made a mistake. Nine times, nine times in 99. Nine times 10. It's not 99. 90. He said, oh, you're right. You're very right. He said, but that's not the lesson I'm trying to teach today. He said, the lesson I'm trying to teach is I got to ask you, how come when I wrote the other nine equations out, nobody congratulated me for all the right answers I got? But the moment, the very moment that I made a mistake, a simple mistake, Everybody was so quick to judge and criticize. You see, the real lesson wasn't in the math that day. The real lesson was in human behavior. I've got to tell you today that God is beyond that. God is not going to focus on your mistakes. God doesn't want you to allow your mistake to keep you out of his presence. God says, you bring me you. I'll take the mistakes as long as I have you. Because we can repair mistakes. We can teach you to do better. We can help you. That's what the Holy Ghost is all about, my friends. God's spirit dwelling in humanity 
Because we tried the law and we failed miserably. So God says, I've got something better. I've got my spirit that I can put inside of you. And you can be an overcomer. And just like King David, at the end of his life and even to this day, we don't focus on his mistakes. We learn from them. We talk about them. But the ultimate end game for David was that he was a man after God's own heart. Even with mistakes like murder in your background, Boy, that file, that file had some real issues in it. But God didn't focus on his issues. God focused on his potential. I'm here to tell you today, all it takes is coming to an altar, wherever that altar is, whether it be at the front of this church or right where you're sitting. You raise your hand and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. Would you, every head bowed, every eye closed right now. I just want to, I just want to lead you. I know this is elementary to some, but to some this is life changing. To some this is hope today. To some that are, that are walking around feeling condemned because of their past, for some that are so tired and weary of thinking they've got something kicked, only to have it rear its ugly head again. God is just waiting on you to say, God, I need your help today. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my mistakes. I'm sorry for my shortcomings. I'm sorry for where I am weak. God, where I am weak, that's where you can become strong. Come on, you've been trying to lift that weight, as Brother Jones was teaching earlier today. You've been trying to lift that weight. In the beginning, it seemed rather easy, but now it's, it's, it's hurting, and you're struggling, and you're wondering how many more times... How many more times can I put this up? How many? How long am I going to have to carry this? And I've come to let you know today that the Lord is going to lift that burden. This altar is open. I want them to begin to sing right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.